Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. Will you say that with me? Come, Holy Spirit. Does that make you nervous? Come. Fill this place. Well, we're on a journey from here through Easter to Pentecost. Can't wait. As we continue this journey with Jesus, we come across today a man named Nicodemus. If we could pull Nicodemus aside and just talk to him a little bit about his experience with Jesus, he might say something like this. I thought I knew what was real. I thought I knew what was right. But in one conversation, most everything is now in question. I am a respected teacher of the law, a holy man. People come to me for answers. And yet, when I'm around Jesus, I find myself questioning everything I've known. Jesus seems so willing to hear my questions, but he always gives such strange answers. It's as if he wants me to ask even more questions. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. You must be born again, he said. How is that even possible? I mean, how can a a man who is old be born again? Do I need to go back into my mother's womb a second time? I just don't get it. You must be born again. I don't understand. Then he said this, Jesus said this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. You know, for me, it's almost too much. My head is spinning. I can't understand it all. Yet, The words that I hear him speak, they compel me. They even haunt me as I lay my head on the pillow at night. God so loved the world that he sent his son to save it. I just, I I don't get it. Who needs saving? The world? But who does that include? Me? Nicodemus trying to figure it out. In our scripture this morning in John chapter 3 verses 1 through 17, Nicodemus is identified. He's identified as a Pharisee and a member of the Jerusalem or the Jewish ruling council. Now a Pharisee meant that When you were a Pharisee, that meant, among other things, that Nicodemus was a very, 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 there's not enough of them that we could say, very devout follower of God, of Yahweh, of the living God. Nicodemus, a Pharisee, dedicated his entire life to the study of and the interpretation of the Torah, the law. God's Word, the first five books of our Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I mean, Nicodemus and his boys, they just lived and breathed and ate and dreamed Torah. (laughs) It meant everything to him. And he knew it inside and out. 
Pharisees today are known as the spiritual fathers of modern Judaism. Back then, they would show and teach and lead the people of of Jerusalem, people of Israel, in everyday things. How can you follow God on an everyday basis? They boiled it down to the most minute detail so that people would know and not have to question, what does it mean to follow Yahweh? Nicodemus was also identified as a member of the Jewish ruling council. See, what this meant was he was the best of the best. He was the most respected of the respected, whose job it was to make all final rulings with anything related to the law, the Torah. You could equate them, I guess, to our Supreme Court, only bigger. They had the final word on things pertaining to God's law. This Jewish ruling council was called the Sanhedrin, of which Nicodemus was part. And as we continue our journey, we're going to come across the Sanhedrin again. They're the ones, a group that Nicodemus was part of, they're the ones that condemned Jesus in the end To blasphemy. Needless to say, Nicodemus was a very powerful, influential person in the Jewish society of his day. And he had a lot to lose coming to visit Jesus. So, our scripture this morning tells us in verse 2 that he, Nicodemus, came to Jesus at night. Today we find ourselves with Jesus after dark. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. You know, a lot of people like the dark. (laughs) Some people thrive in the dark. You you can get away with a lot in the dark, or so it seems. So Nicodemus came secretly, quietly at night and said to Jesus in verse 2, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could do could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. You know, there's a couple things that we notice about Nicodemus through this these words that he says. First of all, Nicodemus has not yet written off Jesus like some of his colleagues in the in the council had. Nicodemus, I believe, from these words, we can see he was a true seeker of God. He poured over the Scriptures. He knew it inside and out, but in the context of seeking God with all of his heart. And nothing that Jesus said made sense. He didn't understand any of it. But when he was with Jesus, when he was in the presence of Jesus, when he heard people talking about Jesus, there was something that, that just drew him in. He didn't understand it. Couldn't put his finger on it. But there was something about this Jesus that, you could say, warmed his heart. In other words, Jesus had gotten into his mind. Nicodemus was saying here, Jesus, who are you? Who are you? Jesus said quickly in verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless a man is born again, 
he cannot see the kingdom of God. I'm sure Nicodemus said, what? I'm just asking you about, you know, who are you? I'm just complimenting you on these miracles. You're, you're awesome. And you say what? Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 7, Jesus says, you must be born again. Let me say that again. Jesus did. You must be born again. See, Jesus turned the conversation around immediately. He turned the conversation from miracles to matters of the heart. Up in chapter 2 of, first, of John, in verse 23, it says this. Right just above, in, verse, in chapter 2, it says in verse 23, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. Here we have Nicodemus basically saying the same things. Because you do all these miracles, you must be from God. Jesus I can see that you have to be the real deal. Whatever that means, I haven't figured it out yet. But you must be from God because you do all those incredible miracles. And Jesus immediately says, it's not about the miracles, Nicodemus. It's about the heart. You must be born again. You see, Nicodemus... All of this other stuff you are putting so much effort into, pouring over the Word, making sure you look right according to the law, making sure you act right, you say the right things, you do the right things, all these things that are so important for you. Hey, Nicodemus, it doesn't matter one twit unless and until God has your heart. You must be born again. Miracles? Are you kidding me? You must be born again. You see, for God, it always is a matter of the heart. God is always interested in who owns our hearts. And by the way, who owns yours this morning? You (laughs) or Him? Let me ask you something. Now think about this this morning. Just, just give me a few minutes to think about this. Have you ever really, I mean on purpose, really asked Jesus Christ, the Son of God who died for you, have you ever asked Him to forgive you of your sins? I'm not talking about lip service stuff here or going to Sunday school and church all my life. I'm not talking about that. Have you ever, you, Ever ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sins and to come into your heart? Have you ever been born again? You see, what I mean is that, that there, was there ever such a deep transformational work of God in your life that you did a 180 and everybody noticed? Hello? Ever happened to you? You must be born Again, is there anything to that? You know, maybe you're tired of hearing me from time to time talk about my neighbor in Moscow. I could talk about him every day. I get a blessing every time I think about that guy. He was a former secretary of the Communist Party. Atheist, communist, and he one day just sees these Americans move in next door. He didn't know what was about to hit him. 
He was minding his own business in retirement. He had been the secretary of the Moscow Communist Party, one of the leaders in the Communist Party during Stalin's years. He had done things that were unspeakable to God and his church. One day, Pastor Carla was sitting with him in his kitchen drinking tea. They do a lot of that over there. Drinking tea. And she was talking about the Lord. He had been going to church off and on with us. Just curious, who are these people? And Carla sat at that table that day and led him to the Lord. He accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. The old was gone. All things became new. You know what happened? Everybody noticed. His son, who lived in a city far away, heard that his dad became a Christian. You've got to be kidding me. He got on a train and hightailed it over to Moscow. Came into the apartment and said, Dad, what is up with you? He said, Dad, all my life you've been an atheist. You said God's a fairy tale. You said there's nothing to it. You fought against the church. You fought against God's people. You put God's people in Siberia. You helped destroy some of the churches. God, all my life, that's what you did. And now you have embraced God. What is up with you? How can that happen? And Timofey Mitrofanovich, my neighbor, said, all I know, son, is I'm forgiven. <laughs> I'm forgiven. He didn't really know the lingo, you know, that we know. You know what he was saying? I have been born again. I have changed. His family couldn't help but notice. He had three friends. These three close communist buddies, all through his years, they were buddies together, did stuff together. Who knows what all they did together? They noticed something was up with their friend, Timofey. So they asked him, will you come with us to see the Orthodox priest? Because there's something wrong with you. We need you to be exercised. So they took him to this Orthodox priest. Now you've got to know that my neighbor, who had been born again... He had been pouring over the scriptures. He had been reading from cover to cover. He would come knock on my door and say, you got anything else to read? I said, Timofey, read your Bible. I just read it twice in the last week. I mean, he was pouring over it. He was knowing. He had questions. It was, it was great. So he's in this office with this Orthodox priest. This Orthodox priest was interrogating him for a half an hour. He throws his hands up after a half an hour, and the Orthodox priest says, get him out of here. He knows more about the Bible than I do. You know why his friends took him to the Orthodox priest, whom they didn't even believe in? Because they noticed something was different about their friend. Has anybody, listen, has anybody ever commented on your relationship with God? Has anybody ever noticed this change? Was there a time in your life when somebody noticed that there was a 180-degree change in your life. You must be born again. Settle down, Pastor Chuck. You know the big problem the world has with people like us? We don't live our lives by what we preach. You know... It just doesn't add up. We say we're born again. We say we're changed. We say we're children of God. And then we live like everybody else. They don't get it. You see, what would change the world is if we would truly live like we were born again. 
But perhaps we should cut Nicodemus a little slack here. Perhaps we should. After all, when he's talking to Jesus, Jesus hadn't been crucified. Jesus hadn't risen from the dead. But Jesus was trying to bring him along. He was trying to give him some clues and help him to understand what was about to happen. He alluded to a very familiar story in the Torah that Nicodemus would have had memorized. Nicodemus knew all about this story and what it meant. Jesus refers to it. It is found in Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. Listen to this. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route of the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Now, I need your help. Okay, I need all of you to help. You guys can too. When I read this next sentence, do this for me. I mean, really out loud, do this. Would you do that for me? Really, I'll give you a cue. Just really loud, do that, because that's appropriate for this next passage of Scripture here. Okay, I'll tell you when. Get ready. Anybody else can join in. Remember, that's all you have to do over and over again. Let's see. They spoke against God and and Moses and said, okay, everybody start. Come on, really loud. Come on. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Okay, thank you. What a bunch of whiners. Then the Lord, don't you wish the Lord would be more Old Testament sometime? Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and the Israelites died. A bunch of whiners. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who, has, who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. When it, when, and then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Now, it's a strange portion of Scripture, but Nicodemus knew exactly what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying it. What Jesus was saying is when Moses lifted up the snake, All you had to do was look at it, keep your eyes on it, and you'd be saved. He said, Nicodemus, there's coming soon. You're going to see it. There's going to come the Son of Man. And he will be lifted up like the snake in the desert. He will be lifted up. And Nicodemus, if you fix your eyes, if you look to the lifted up Lord, you will be saved. You must be born again. Don't miss it, Nick. Perhaps we should cut Nick a little slack. But what about you and me? I mean, we've heard it all for 2,000 years plus. We've heard it all. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We even have songs about it. We talk about it in Bible school. We talk about it in Sunday school, at church, in small groups. Jesus saves. We know the Scripture, Bible quizzers. We know it. We pour over it. We can speak the religious language. And we, are, we can sound as pious as the next person. And we can praise God in the sanctuary. Lift our hands and praise God with the best of them. Yet, does it make any 
difference. Has anybody noticed? Do our lives say, I'm saved? Come on. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram. He said, Abram, I'm going to make a great nation of you, your people. But he said, the reason I'm going to do this is I want you to bless the nations. I want to use you to be an example, Abram, of how I want people to live on this earth. Because if they do, life abundant. It's the same today. God saved you if he did. He saved you so that you would be a blessing to the people you come in contact with. So God can use you to say to people, watch them. That's how I want you to live. Be, you, you must be born again. Verse 10, Jesus basically says, Nicodemus, you should know better. You're a teacher of the law. You have the law, the five books of the the Torah memorized, you should know better. If that is true for Nicodemus, how much more is it true for you and me? How is your attitude these days? Come on, come on, think with me. How's your attitude these days? You must be born again. How's your marriage these days? You must be born again. What happens in your house behind closed doors? Listen to me. What happens behind closed doors? You must be born again. What happens down at work? What's your reputation at work? What's your reputation at school? You must be born again. Does it make a difference? Sometimes I wonder, how about you? Until I think of my neighbor, Timothy. (laughs) I know it makes a difference. You must be born again. What about Nicodemus? Whatever happened to old Nicodemus? Look with me at John chapter 19. Way back in John chapter 19. Let's see what happened to Nicodemus. Does anything matter? I mean, does it work at all? Starting at verse 38 in John chapter 19, it says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. Nicodemus had a lot to lose to hang around Jesus' people. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, lovingly brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 75 pounds, taking Jesus' body, the two of them, wrapped it. The burial clothes that we hear about on Good Friday, the burial clothes that we hear about when when the, the resurrection day on Easter, Nicodemus helped wrap Jesus in those. You see, at first, Jesus gotten into Nicodemus's mind. Who are you? Now, Jesus had gotten into his heart. See, it's always a heart issue with God. Who owns yours? Who owns yours? You, please. 
or him. You know, as I was reading through this and working on this this week, I, I asked myself, why did Jesus use the metaphor of being born again? Now, Carrie and Lydia, correct me if I'm wrong, but when, when a baby is born, everything changes. Is that right? You see, when a baby is born, everything is new. It's a brand new beginning for them and for the people around them. You must be born again. The Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Or behold, all things have become new. This morning, I'm just going to ask you, I mean, I don't know what you do with this, it's up to you. But if you haven't been born again, I know there's people here that haven't. If you haven't been born again, today's your day. Now is your time. Today's the day of your salvation. Don't wait anymore. Two people, two precious people in the first service got up where they were and came and asked Jesus into their hearts. Somebody say amen. I mean in front of everybody. Man, Jesus came all the way here for you. You can at least come down to here for him. Anybody? Do you need to be born again? Maybe, maybe you need to renew that relationship with him. Somebody? Anybody? Lord, save me. You must be born again.